when you're at the top of the pyramid at work, you've gotten there often by hard work, perseverance, and yes, a good memory. Whether you're quoting key performance indicators during a panel interview or rattling off complicated numbers in a meeting, a good memory not only makes you look smarter, it shows you're not just there for Taco Tuesday. Really great leaders also know the small details about their people that mean a lot to people. When we do this, we're willing to make better judgments and we know who our people truly are. Maybe you're listening today and you're interested in growing the capacity of your memory for leadership effectiveness. So today on the Champion Forum podcast, we discuss how to boost your memory to become a better leader. This is the Champion Forum podcast with Jeff Hancher, the forum for leaders, champions, and dreamers. Welcome back, Champion Nation. I have a very exciting show in store for you today that takes a different twist on leadership and development. But before we dive into the subject, I want to introduce to you our guest, Jennifer Little Fleck. After getting her degree in molecular biology at the University of Pittsburgh, Jennifer went through a crazy progression of career development from transplant research to pharmaceutical sales training to creating a resume writing advice blog, and finally embracing her destiny as a freelance medical writer and biology entertainment podcaster. As a full-time freelance medical writer, Jennifer has the best job in the world, being paid to learn. As a consequence, Jennifer gets many questions from friends and family, so she decided to start a fun and entertaining yet informative podcast on all the biology things you really want to know. Jennifer, welcome to the Champion Forum podcast. Hey, thank you so much, Jeff, for having me on. I'm, I'm really excited to be here and uh, to maybe pump up the memory of some of your audience members. I am thrilled about this subject because, you know, I usually run in this lane of uh, development, uh, how to navigate uh, tough discussions tough discussions, how to, you know, hire talent, how to do performance reviews, all of these different things that are quite important to leadership. But I have to tell you, I've never, I've never went down this road of, uh, you know, thinking beyond, you know, the day to day thinking beyond the fundamentals of leadership, and how there's things that we can do that impact leadership that quite frankly, we don't think of that much and really aren't talked about a whole lot. And so as, as you and I were just kind of benchmarking, you're uh, newer into podcasting. So we were kind of benchmarking some best practices and you threw this idea out to me of, of memory and leadership and how you've talked to other leaders about that. And as you started talking to me about kind of the biology uh, side of memory, I'm starting to think as we're talking about how many times uh, in my career or in the big meeting that I lost my train of thought or I forgot a key element. I also thought of many times uh, in my tenure that I was able to recall something that made me stood out from a crowd. And as you started talking about the science uh, side of this concept, 
I really felt like it would add a lot of value to our listener uh, to, to go down, you know, this path of really thinking and how can we be intentional about having a better memory? So with all that being said, um, from your perspective, why, why should leaders, uh, especially maybe talk to the new leaders, because they got a million things coming at them at once, why, why should we as leaders care about sharpening our memory and our skills? Well, you know, that's a great, um, that's a great question. And, and I think that you uh, characterized it very well when you said, um, you know, being intentional about it. Uh, because a lot of times um, we are very intentional um, about our career path, but we don't think far enough into the future about, um, you know, ultimately where, how do we want this to end? Where, where are we going to end up? And when you're a new leader, you're bombarded with things like, gosh, how do I connect with all of my new, um, you know, team team, team or teams, you know, depending on where you're at in your leadership career. And, uh, you know, that can be overwhelming trying to make all these meaningful connections with people. Um, you're giving speeches, presentations, you're forming all these task forces, and, you know, you've got a lot of information coming in and that can be a little overwhelming. You know, how do you organize all of that information quickly? Um, not only, to store it into long-term memory, but to be able to recall it, as you said, you know, on point at the, just the right moment to stand out. Um, and undoubtedly, you know, as a new leader, you, um, and I know you've experienced this too, you suddenly, um, you're so busy all the time and, and you get a little burned out, you know, and you're suddenly you're like, man, I know I am not performing as well as I usually do. What, um, what is happening to me? Why can't I, I could do this last week or I could do this last month, you know, off the top of my head and now I'm struggling a little bit. Why is that, you know? So, and I think a lot of these, um, a lot of understanding the mechanics of memory can actually help that and take you to, you know, a, a better place where, you know, you are easily and fluently um, giving speeches without notes, right? right? You're easily remembering people's names that you just met, or you met last week one time, or even maybe last month or at the last, you know, quarterly meeting. Um, you are, um, you know, not only are you keeping up with people half your age, but you're actually able to better um, give that 360 point of view, you know, um, when we're talking about larger, um, long term uh, strategies. So yeah, you, you know, as you're saying that I'm thinking of numerous examples uh, about this. And you had mentioned public presentations, this is a big one. And I think about people that I would see give presentations and literally walk up to the podium with not a single note. Now, that's not to say that using notes is bad, uh, but I can tell you this, when I see people go up and not use any notes, I walk away thinking to myself, man, they're different. They're set apart. They are sharp. Adversely, I've seen in the big meeting or whatever it might be that you're trying to recall something and you can't. And you could be the best thing since sliced bread, but it does leave an impression. 
And it does leave a stain on your leadership brand when you don't know something that quite frankly, you should know. Why is that? Well, it, it came, it, it left your memory. And thinking specifically about public speaking, mm -hmm. I read this article uh, a while back that talked about how this one specific trainer at this corporation was having amazing success in helping people retain content. So no matter what he would teach on, at the end of the training, he would have each individual student come up and give a public speech on what they learned that week. And when asked, well, why did you do that? He said, because he created, he now created an event, the adrenaline that was going up to this event, how they prepared for the event. It, it didn't just create what they learned, but it created a moment. And when he created the moment for these students, they were much better to retain it. And I think that's something that I've tried to do. And I don't know if you've ever seen, uh, Jen, the movie Tommy Boy, but uh, with Chris Farley. <laughs> yes. But <laughs> I, always, I always think about this scene whenever uh, he, he gives the famous quote, you can get a good look at a T-bone by sticking your head up a bull's butt, but I'd rather take the butcher's word for it. But as he's, you know, he has this coach, this sales coach that's trying to teach him how to sell. And he gets to the first couple of meetings and butchers this quote so much that one of the prospects says, there's something wrong in your head. And, you know, he's saying things like you can get a good a look at a T-bone by sticking your head up a butcher's butt. And he's he's <laughs> like butchering this thing. And it makes I love that you're that. actually able to quote the, the butchered quote. <laughs> it, it's my favorite sales movie of all time. But, you know, when I think of that, it's like I can identify with that because I've been there, not quite there, uh, but I've been there where I just felt like, man, if I could recall this right now, it would set me apart in this room. It would set me apart in this meeting. And man, I just didn't have it. And so, you know, that's, that's a great segue into building the foundation for the importance of memory, the importance of not only, not only you personally, uh, your effectiveness, your ability to succeed, your ability to build wealth, but also your ability to reach people. And at the heart of every leader needs to be that, the ability to reach people. I can't tell you how many times, Jen, in my career, where uh, people would say things to me like, you know, Hanch, uh, man, you're just different, man. You're, you're, just, you're just very genuine. Uh, you know, you're not, you're not fluffy and fake like a lot of other people. And I think one of the things I always tried to do was remember things that were important to them. And people hold dear things like their names, uh, their birthdays, anniversaries, awards, graduations. And when these things are recognized or mentioned by a leader, it makes a tremendous difference. And when people feel like you're interested in them, they seem willing to overlook or simply uh, tolerate maybe some of the flaws that you bring because we all do. These are amazing deposits. So I want to challenge the listener. I want to challenge the leader. What are you doing to remember those things? What are you doing to make impact through your memory that maybe otherwise you're not? You're just kind of going with the flow. So Jen, with that, what would it look like uh, if someone is taking steps to preserve or sharpen their memory? How, what's the application here? Uh, what are we going to tell the listener to preserve? Because we're aging. Uh, we're aging. And with age, you were losing some of that. Uh, but how do we sharpen that uh, memory skill? Well, I think, I think first it starts with understanding the barriers 
you know, kind of that you're up against, because a lot of the times it's not so much that we are forgetting, it's that we never actually took the time to learn, Hmm. (laughs) you know? Um, And what I mean by that is the, really the perfect example is multitasking, right? We have all heard that multitasking is, is bad for us. And it, and it really is the enemy of memory and learning because um, you can't learn what you're not paying attention to. Um, but the other thing really is, you know, unwillingness to <laughs> participate is where does this sounds in childlike behavior? Think about it. Children are the ultimate learners. Oh my gosh. They learned so much stuff in such a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kids, I mean, they can retain stuff with barely any study, study time or downtime, but you know, and why is that? Um, and it's, it's because of um, some of those mechanics, the science behind memory making um, that we'll talk about in a minute. But I think um if you recognize the barriers that maybe um, you have, the the things that um, are going to interfere with your memory making and your learning abilities, um, you really have to understand that first before you can um, enhance it. I mean, but there's other things, you know, too, that we have to think about, which is, you know, how well are we taking care of ourselves? Are we taking care of our brain? Do you even know what it means <laughs> to take care of your brain? Um, and then, you know, it's just prior prioritizing those things once you learn what they are, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I, um, I'll say that, you know, people tap me all the time to teach them, you know, quick memory tricks this, that, and the other, which is fine and dandy. Um, you know, we all love a good, you know, um, hack, you know, for memory, but what people need to realize long-term, if they want long-term memory retention and to stay on top of their game, there's other things that they have to consider, which is really good brain health. Yeah, you know, with you saying that, I have, and I guess it's because I'm not getting any younger. I'm not going to say I'm old by any stretch, but I'm not getting younger. So you start thinking differently. And I often think about if I would have started some of this in my early 20s, where would I have been and how much more impact would I have made earlier? And I read this article about challenging your brain to think, because here's what I've learned. I think a lot but thinking and producing, you know, brain memory or brain exercises are two different things. You know, as you go up in your career and your impact changes and your influence changes and your job responsibilities change, that typically means that you have more coming at you at one time. And so often what I have found in my journey is it's very task oriented. So I'm looking just to get the job done, get the thing done, get the assignment done. So my retention wasn't very good. So I read this article about being intentional, very similar. They gave an example of, you know, if if you want to have muscle tone and whatever it might be, obviously you need to go to the gym. Well, you know, going out and, you know, working in the yard and whatever is different than going to the gym and just doing tasks and being busy all day. Yes, it is working your brain, but is it exercising it? And so they said, you should find something in spots of your day that will help you focus on one thing. So I revived the Rubik's Cube. And that's something that I've been doing 
I set everything else away and I focus on this Rubik's cube and I've been timing myself on how fast can I get one side of it? And that's really all the better I am at it. But <laughs> is there something to be said from a scientific standpoint of what can we practically do to exercise that so that we can remember more names? We can remember, you know, key performance indicators in the meeting. We can retain more. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is where we should get into a little bit of discussion so that your audience can kind of understand how um, memory and learning actually occurs from the scientific point of view. So fun fact, in the last 20 years, we have learned more about how memory works than we knew in like the previous 2000 years. I mean, that's how astonishing it is. And it really you know, the, the, it started to uptick majorly in 1998, which is, you know, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll be there, I'll date myself, <laughs> which is the, the year after I graduated from college. Um, that seemed like when a lot of the, the really cool science started happening in, in many modalities. But in 1998, we finally discovered that humans could create new neurons as, as an adult, because prior to that, we thought that you were born with all of the neurons you were ever going to have. And that if you wasted those, if you squelched them from, you know, smoking marijuana or taking drugs, you know, you were doomed to have a horrible brain, um, into adulthood. And there was no coming back. So we needed to preserve what we had. And we found out that that is not the case. You just made a lot of people's day, Jen. I know, right? And, and this is like the ultimate, you can teach an old dog new tricks. You know, This is really for real. And what we learned is that um, this takes place primarily in the hippocampus. Now, I'm sure that probably resonates with um, your audience. You know, we've, um, the, even the media, you know, has uh, talked about this a lot. Um, the, you know, the fact that neurogenesis occurs in the hippocampus. So here's what happens. So your prefrontal cortex, which is basically, you know, the, the part of the brain that's in the forehead, um, it senses information coming in and it decides whether or not what you're hearing right this exact moment is important. And if it says and you have six seconds, your brain gives you six seconds to decide if this is important. And if it isn't, it throws it away and you will not remember it. Hmm. But if it peaks, if you pique your brain's interest, it says, huh, maybe I should hold on to this. Um, it then goes into your hippocampus and it kind of gets stored there for a little while. Um, and so now you have short-term memory, okay? Well, then what happens is while you sleep, and actually this happens throughout the day, but primarily this happens while you sleep, your hippocampus is this amazing thing where it says, okay, I'm going to take this memory. And is this memory like any other memory that I have, or is it a completely new memory? Because, and, and it tries to figure out these differences in the memory. Is this the same event or is this a different event with new information? And this process is called consolidation. Hmm. And it typically happens, um, you know, during like deep or, or REM sleep, which is why sleep is so important to brain health. Cannot stress this enough. If you are um, not getting REM sleep, you are likely not consolidating your short-term short memories into long-term memories. Hmm. Um, but more importantly, these long-term memories then get stored 
not just in one place, but all throughout your brain. Um, and so your brain has all these different pathways depending on what, what the memory is. Now, the fun part that we have learned is that the more, of, more often you practice retrieving that memory, the more uh, synaptic connections or dendrites it creates with, from neuron to neuron. So it, it actually has these little fibers. And the, the more often you, know, you um, get these neurons to talk to each other that you're trying to recall this memory, the more connections it makes. And the more connections it makes, the faster you can recall the information. Hmm. And your brain loves, loves to, to create these, you know, well-traveled pathways. And so that's why it takes such care in trying to figure out, is this a new memory? Is it similar to something else? Are we building upon? Because then it can kind of take those same pathways. But um, hmm. yeah, yeah. So- that's fascinating. And here I am listening. I almost forgot that I was the host of the show because I'm <laughs> learning. It's, that is fascinating. But to answer your original question, which is what can we do? Mm -hmm. We can practice memory retrieval. Hmm. And, and I know that sounds kind of crazy, right? Like, what do you mean? How do I practice memory retrieval? Well, actually, it's really, really easy. Um, you the best example I can give you is um, to write it down. Do not study it. Do not, um, you know, talk through it with somebody else. The, test yourself. Literally take a blank sheet of paper and say, okay, without anything in front of me, it's just me and my brain. What do I know about this subject? Yeah. And the more often that you do that, the more you are forcing your brain to recall that, the more synaptic, synaptic connections you're going to make, the faster you're going to recall that information. Um, and this is something that's very well studied, very well known. It's called the testing effect. And there's, there's all kinds of really cool studies on this that show um, they took, you know, they would take like two groups of students and they would say, okay, group A, I just want you to test yourself over and over and over. Group B, I want you to study. That's all I want you to do. And then they would give them these tests and, and you know, every single time it was like 65%, you know, of the, um, you know, test only group would like get it absolutely perfectly right versus 35% who just studied. You know, and, and it's, I, I there's some to, studies that are like even greater than that, like 90, 20. That's know? amazing. Cause as you're saying some of this, uh, like science and so forth, and I'm thinking about how I have retained certain things. And what came to my mind when you were talking about writing it down, there's one specific thing that came to my mind that I've done uh, throughout my career and, and even to this day. And it's the one-liner or the quote. And I would, wh whether I was reading a book or I read a quote, I even bought a book of quotes because I thought, you know, as, you, as you're trying as a leader to make a point, Sometimes a quote is a great way to do that. It paints a picture. And so I spent years learning quotes because I always found like they carried big impact in a, in a room. Um, and so I would write them down now because that's how I thought that I learned memory. But there's obviously science behind this and writing it down. And I'll give you an exact example of this. There's a there's a quote by Margaret Thatcher. And she says, uh, if you have to tell somebody you're a lady, 
you're probably not. And I read that quote and I'm like, man, I could absolutely use that. So I learned this quote, put it in my memory bank. We were at a meeting and uh, we, we were asked to stand up and it was me and my, all of my peer group. We were having these great results. And basically, long story short, somebody stood up. They were pretty arrogant and they used their platform to kind of push me down. Although we were peers and although we had the same levels of success, sure. they, went, they were trying to push me down. And so my, the boss of the room says, uh, you know, Hanch, how would you like to respond to that? And I stood up and I simply said, uh, you know, it kind of makes me think of what Margaret Thatcher once said. If you have to tell somebody you're a lady, you're probably not. I typically try to let my results speak for themselves. And with that, I sat back down and it was like um, on the room. Mic drop. But that, that's an example. I bet you I wrote that quote. I'm not kidding you. 300 times uh, to get it into my mind. So if I'm hearing you right, Jen, you are saying uh, if there is something that you want to remember, whether it's numbers um, a birthday, uh, whatever it might be. Writing is a way to do that. Writing is absolutely a way to do that. But you know, Jeff, you're so astute. You're too, you're too smart for your own good. <laughs> you actually, um, you mentioned on a couple of really good, uh, topics, which is visual visualization. Lala, I'm tongue tied today. Um, uh, you know, in storytelling, uh, because those are other ways that people help people remember things um, because, you know, storytelling usually typically involves emotions, whether it's funny, sad, ridiculous, you know, what have you. And um, the hippocampus is, is located and works continuously with the amygdala in the brain. And the amygdala is your emotional processing center. So that's why um, typically when you uh, want to gain somebody's attention, because memory works both ways, right? It's not only as a leader, do you want um, to remember things, but you want others to remember your message as well, right? right. So how, how do you make your storytelling memorable? And, in, and typically people do tie that to emotion. And you know, you, your story was a perfect illustration of that which is why, and I'll just give you a, a fun tip here. Um, always, no matter what, try to make your stories positive because the brain automatically wants to remember good things and does not want to remember bad things. So no matter what it is, if even if you're, you know, um, you know, I run into this a lot because a lot of my customers are pharmaceuticals people. Um, they, you know, get into these patient stories and it's sad. You have to, you know, even starting out, you have to figure out a way to put it in a positive light um, because that just makes people happy and people like, the brain likes recalling happy memories. Easy, mm. They're much, much easier. So when you're saying that, I'm thinking about the leader, the speaker, you know, whoever might be listening, is there's two sides to this coin. There's the side of you remembering, but there's also the side of helping your quote unquote, audience, remember, which is a great segue into something that I do <laughs> and didn't even know that okay. this was science. So uh, whenever I, I went to a class, a Dale Carnegie class about remembering names years ago when I first got into sales, because I always remember, I said this earlier, people hold dear uh, to them things like their name. 
And so I wanted to learn this concept of remembering names. You mentioned like painting a positive word picture. We know that the best speakers in the world tell great stories. Uh, we, and by doing that, what happens is people remember the story versus the content, but they tie it back to the content. So I do the same thing because there is two sides to this. There is you remembering, but helping other people to remember. And in leadership, this is an unbelievable skill to have because now you're reproducing what you expect. And so a little trick that I did specific to name memorization. So my name's Jeff Hancher. And whenever I would go to introduce myself to somebody and they'd be like, hey, what's your name? I would always say, hey, nice to meet you. My name's Jeff Hancher. It's like Jolly Rancher, but it's with an H. <laughs> yeah. so, I love that story. So there's I, a tie in there. There is, there is a tie in. And, and that, that kind of stuff absolutely helps people remember names. You know, it's so funny. Um, you know, every single person I've ever met has told me, that they have at one point forgotten somebody's name. And we all have been there. You know, it's so embarrassing. And, you know, you talk about as a leader, really trying to make connections with people, you, you know, remembering somebody's name, I mean, that can put, you know, um, rewards in, in your virtual bank for forever, right? Um, and I used to, when I worked uh, at Abbott Laboratories, I had, we had this, um, you know, one specific leader who he would go around a room of 300 people and he would remember every single person's name. And it was like a big, it was like a big show, like at the end yeah. of our meeting that he would do this. And it was, it was really, really amazing. And so people always ask me like, well, Jen, you know, what are, what are some fun tricks to remembering people's names? Because no one wants their name forgotten. And so you obviously have built that in, but, um, now I, I do a lot of memory classes and one of my favorite classes, because, you know, we all have to keep up on the latest and greatest, um, is, uh, with Jim quick, his, his last name is K W I K. And if you ever have an opportunity to, um, take one of his classes or follow him online and you're begin to, to memory, he's, he's awesome. He's like, you know, he's the memory guy to celebrities and all that kind of mm. stuff. But, um, you know, he reminded me that um, the key to names really, you know, is a couple of things, but the one of the best ways is visualization. But he he works it in um, to a couple of different ways, like, you know, he calls it his B suave method. And the, the B sounds is stands for believe in yourself, stop telling yourself that you're never going to remember all these people's names. Okay. First of all, stop, stop the negative talk, believe in yourself, you know, and then you got to exercise your brain. You got to practice. And, and the way that you do that is through um, what he calls suave, you know, so the S um, stands for say the name out loud, you know, so, you know, if I'm meeting you, Jeff, I'm going to be like, you know, um, Jeff, hi, Jeff, Jeff, so nice to meet you. Um, and, and what I just did there is the you part, I used it in a sentence, you know, Jeff, um, I see that, you know, you have, um, you know, that book, uh, you know, that you're carrying. I've read that too. I love that book. Um, and then you ask a question, 
Jeff, what is your favorite part of that book? What is the what is the thing that really stuck out to you? And as you're as you're talking, the V is visualized. So maybe you have you know Jeff, um, and just like, you know Jeff Hancher, just like you said, you know with the Jolly Rancher. So yeah. so you're imagining you know Jeff with jolly rancher and make it as ridiculous as you can literally coming out of his mouth like a gallon of jolly ranchers coming out of his mouth and you're going to remember you know rancher hancher oh yeah jeff jeff hancher okay um and then you end with it you know that's the e part of suave you end with it jeff was really great meeting you um and i love uh i love that book as well, look forward to talking to you again about other books, Jeff. So that's be suave, believe in yourself, exercise and do the exercise by saying the name, using it in a sentence, asking a question um, with the name in it, you know, or I mean, it can be as simple as like, let's say somebody's name is like, you know, even super mundane, like Jennifer, like, why did your mom name you that? You know, it's like, you know, and, you know, but I can, I can talk all day about why my mom named me Jennifer, you know, because I was born in 1974 and like literally every baby girl at the hospital was named Jennifer that year. I swear <laughs> to God. Um, but yeah, but, and again, and again, visualize me, you know, so visualize like a million Jennifers and, and, um, you know, and then end with it. I'll give you one other, um, name remembering hack is, uh, and this one was used by uh, FDR, our mm. president, our former president, FDR. He would, um, and this is something that you mentioned, incorporate a motor skill into remembering somebody's name, you know? So you said when you were remembering things, you were um, trying to, you know, in, involve the, the motor portion of your brain with the Rubik's cube, you know, yep. and you were just focusing yep. on that. So what he would do was he would take his finger and very casually at his side. So nobody noticed he would imagine writing out that person's name on their forehead. Wow. And that's how, and that was his trick. You know, if he knew that if he concentrated enough on writing their name and placing it visually visualizing it on their forehead that he would remember it that is fascinating yeah i remember the class and it was talking about anchor to associate you know because sometimes the first thing people would remember in that example is a thousand jolly ranchers coming out of my mouth but that at least triggered that's the anchor that's what triggers exactly. them thinking into it the other thing like you said was saying their name over and over again uh, which is absolutely something that they taught in that class that I took as well, because what you're doing is you're teaching your brain what that looks like. Great, great hacks on name memory. This is this stuff is very important. I remember going like uh, to different uh, awards uh, meetings, you know, national meetings, uh, whatever it might be. And you would see these people on occasion, but rarely because they weren't on your team and you'd meet people from all over the place. And I remember the, a few executives that would come out of nowhere. I haven't seen them in 12 months, whatever it might be. And they would say, not only, uh, hey, Jeff, so good to see you again. And, and this, is, uh, this is Janelle, right? 
And I was like, oh my gosh, it's one thing they remembered my name, but they remembered my wife's name. Wow, that's like, pretty impressive. This is insane. And I would just walk away and I would say something to my wife. Isn't that amazing? And she feels like a million bucks. We're like, wow, we actually matter. We mean something. So there's some good hacks, if you will. But I wanted to circle back to about some, some of the barriers. One thing that you mentioned was sleep. Um, I talked about multitasking. I, I think this is a killer. I know it is for me trying to do too much at one time. I get, I get task completion done, but I'm not really effective in remembering what happened. What, what are some other things that, that you're seeing that could be barriers to us maximizing our memories? Well, you know, actually, you know, as I mentioned, there's, there's, you know, um, in this, uh, this is throughout the literature. Um, there's a lot of people that talk about these 10 keys to brain health to prevent memory loss. And keep in mind when we are talking about memory, um, most studies on memory and the brain are done in people with neurodegenerative diseases. Okay. And so this is, this has been studied a lot and tested a lot in people who already have some sort of cognitive decline. So it's totally vetted. Um, these things work and there's science behind them. So really, um, so I'm gonna go over those 10 things for you real quickly um, is the first one, first and foremost is a healthy brain diet. Um, and when I talk, when I, when I say a healthy brain diet, I mean things that actually you know, influence your mitochondria in the neurons in your brain. And one of the things that they have shown that absolutely does this with, without a doubt is a ketogenic diet. Hmm. And the reason behind this is, and this is just so cool. Uh, so by and large, most of the time, our brain gets its energy from glucose. All right. So, you know, it takes, we take in our food, it gets broken down into, you know, individual, you know, um, components and it gets converted to glucose and our brain uses this glucose as its primary form of energy, um, you know, or the, the mitochondria does. And, um, you know, that's all well and good, um, you know, but our brain needs a lot of glucose. It uses almost 20% of our totally total daily amount, which, you know, if you think about, you know, how much, you know, work our muscles use to move us around every day and all of our other organs, 20% is a lot. It's a huge, it's a huge amount. Yeah. So what happens in a ketogenic diet is that you shift, um, what is available for energy use to the brain instead of glucose, um, you've used up your glucose, okay, in a, in a ketogenic state. And instead, what is available are ketone bodies. And what's awesome about ketone bodies is that they're a more efficient form of fuel. Hmm. So it needs less and it produces more energy. And, and when that happens in the brain, other things happen as well, which is the mitochondria are like, woohoo, look at all this energy we have. Let's make more of ourselves. So not only do you have a better energy source, but you're making more mitochondria, which, which means you have even more energy, which means your neurons are like, pew, 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 pew. You know, I mean, it's just like gangbusters, right? So, um, so I do recommend that um, if you're feeling like brain foggy, try intermittent fasting. Um, that's mm. the easiest way um, 
to experience a ketogenic state, skip breakfast, um, try and, and get to lunch and you will, it's, it's so crazy. You, at first you're going to be like, darn it, I'm hungry. And then like an hour later, you're going to like, wait a minute, I feel my mind is clear. And then like two hours later, you'll be on fire. You'll be like, oh my God, idea generation. It's, I can't write it down fast enough. Like, you know, that's what happens. So healthy brain diet. The second thing is real quick question on that. So if someone to learn more about this, uh, this diet and they're like, and I'm just thinking not that this is age specific at all, but most likely if you're older in age, you're like, oh, I'm in, like, what do I got to do? Whoever it is listening, they want to learn more about this diet and this intermittent intermittent fasting. Where do they go? Um, okay. And like, I, I don't, um, get paid or have any sponsors or affiliations here, but, um, I follow, uh, Dave Asprey and he is huge into anti-aging and good brain health. And, and he actually this week, um, he's been doing research on, you know, he has a, he has a bulletproof diet book that is sort of ketogenic. He, you know, um, because no one really should be in a ketogenic state all the time. It's not good for you. You know, you should cycle, but, um, he has an intermittent fasting book launching this week called fast this way. And I would definitely check it out. I will um, absolutely be checking that out. I do that and I don't even know what I'm doing because I, I hear all the buzz about intermittent fasting sure. and so forth. But there, there's a host of benefits of fasting, but there is no question that there's uh, health benefits to that as well. So, uh, yeah. we will, we will oh, I'll tell you that. one more really cool thing. Um, it, ketogenic diets have been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, fun fact. Um, this is actually, they discovered ketogenic diets through the study of epilepsy patients um, in the early 1920s, because they noticed people who had severe intractable epilepsy, um, they were so much a danger to themselves that they, you know, they were, you couldn't control them. And they would um, sadly put them in a room for a couple of days. They would fast they, and they would fast. They would give them water, but no food. And within two, three days, their seizures were gone. Hmm. And they started studying the effects of the fasted state on the brain. And it was repairing itself through the use of fat, you know, body, which is generally how you make ketone bodies. That is amazing. And I know I interrupted you because I wanted to know more about keto, but here is further evidence that we should at least be exploring this. Uh, but you were going to close on a point as well. Uh, and I don't know if you can recall what that was, but I just wanted to get the audience more information on how to, how to learn more about that. Yeah, no. So, I mean, I just, I just think that um, people should, you know, understand the effect that their diet has on their brain and understand that there are good diets and bad diets. And, um, yeah. Definitely introducing your body to a ketogenic state, you know, um, every once in a while, you know, or if that's something that you feel is beneficial to your lifestyle by intermittent fasting, um, which means you're in a, you're in a state of ketosis, you know, for half the day, you know, and then, and then you eat normally. And um, so, 
so that that you know we the progression here we talked about the benefits we talked right. about some of the barriers regards to multitasking and poor self-care sleep deprivation you know these things we we gave them some life hacks on name memorization the other thing that i wanted to circle back and and maybe we'll close on this point is we talked a little bit about uh storytelling but i spoke to that in a, from a standpoint of a speaker uh, to get your audience to retain, is there a quote unquote hack that people could be using as they're trying to retain information with stories? Is it the same concept as memory, you know, remembering the names? Like, how do I apply that as a leader, uh, you know, creating these stories in my mind? Is there something to be said about that as well? Yeah, absolutely. And, and um, there are a million uh tricks and tips that I can, I can teach you. So, um, but uh, when it comes to storytelling, we'll, we'll just build off of what we were talking about previously with visualization. And so, you know, when it comes to trying to remember things, um, as I said before, storytelling is good for both. If you are personally trying to remember something for your own self versus storytelling to get your audience to remember something. And I, I want to, talk about both of those points um, before we close today sure. again but um, when you're doing it because you, it's your for your personal retention um, the best way is to make it ridiculous in your head so if I you know if I give you like a list of 10 words um, like you know right now to your audience I'm going to say I want you to remember the words ring balloon meteor knife pen curl water, sunglasses, phone, and batteries. And then I'm going to pause and I'm going to say, okay, what were those words again? And you're going to be like, uh-oh. I have no idea. You might've remembered the first one ring and maybe the last one batteries, because those are memory principles of, um, you tend to remember the first and last things you hear. But aside from that, it's probably going to be pretty crazy. But if I told you a story, a ridiculous story, or you came up with a ridiculous story in your head, it's going to be a lot easier, right? So if I say, okay, let's, you know, and even, you know, if it's safe to do so, you can close your eyes and imagine this because the first time you do it, you know, it's much, much better. If you close your eyes, you're concentrating on your visualization. Um, you can say, okay, imagine there you are um, and you have a ring in your hand and you're about to propose to your significant other and you're just so excited. This is like the best day ever. And, um, you know, you decide that um, you want to present it in a fun way. So you tie it to a balloon with a little bit of helium, not a lot, just a just enough so that it kind of, you can kind of like float it over to your significant other. But then all of a sudden out of nowhere, a meteor, piece of meteor comes and breaks the balloon and smashes your ring into the ground. And you're like, oh my God, where's my ring? And you, and you whip out the knife that's, you know, pocket knife that you have and you start digging in the ground and you're like, oh my gosh, what do I need? to um, pick this up. It's so hot. This meteor was blazing hot. So you get a pen and you try and like scoop the ring up with the pen, you know, but then you, you notice that the pen, it's, it's also getting so hot that it's starting to curl. And you're like, ah, oh, where, where can I get some water to, to, to cool this down? You know, and you realize that um, 
you know, not only do you need water, but you need sunglasses because now the, the meteor is starting to um, radiate this crazy heat and, and the ring in your hand start, starting to look like, you know, the ring of, of Mordor from, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, uh, and then you're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I need to, I need to capture this. Nobody's going to believe me. I have the ring of Mordor and you're, you're reaching for your phone and you're trying to take a picture, but you realize that, you know, you're, you're you forgot to charge your phone and, and you're like, oh my God, I need a battery. Where's, you know, or, you know, where your battery's dying because it's next to this heat and it's not working either. So, um, so you see what I mean? Like, you know, you yeah. can, you remember that story way before you remember any of the words. Exactly. Exactly. But, you know, I know that was a huge, gross exaggeration. <laughs> well, I think it's the brain's ability to recall information is similar to like uh, search engine optimization. Like it's going to pull out uh, what is closest, what is what it can remember. And I, I remember these tricks even in school, like you know, I think of Roy G. Biv, right? Right. Uh, for the rainbow, same Absolutely. thing. So these are amazing memory uh, tools that we can use, Jen. There was also something else that you wanted to share. Yeah, when it comes to getting your audience, though, to remember things that you say, storytelling, um, you know, just remember the principle that we talked about earlier, which is your, the, the, your audience, their brain, also will take six seconds to decide whether or not what you're saying is worth remembering. Okay. So that is why it is so important to have that opening hook, that opening, um, you know, excitement, that opening gotcha, you know, how can, how can I gain their attention and say to them, Hey, this is important. This is worth, worth, you know, remembering, um, you know, and I'm sure your audience has heard that a lot, but all of their other efforts will be for naught if they can't get that initial encoding into the prefrontal cortex, which, you know, you got six seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's amazing to think about that concept too, because I just learned this within the last two weeks because I do a lot of group training. And I had somebody who was a teacher by trade, a facilitator. I actually had them come into the training that I was doing to give me coaching and feedback. And I'm very fast paced. I, I like to go fast. And I was teaching this. And afterward, one of the things that she told me was sometimes, Jeff, you'll ask the class a question, but then you won't give them enough time to process the question. And she said the exact same thing. She said the average brain takes six to seven seconds to process what it just heard. That, that's also for response, but also, am I going to put this thing in the dumpster or am I going to keep it? So those hooks, they absolutely matter. Hooks like, and we do this in sales a lot as well. Hey, if I could show you a way that I could increase your productivity by 20%, all the while getting you the best value for your dollars, that's something you might be interested in. Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's the hook, right? Right, right. And we can do this in leadership as well, whether it's coaching people, uh, mentoring people, you know, in the boardroom, whatever it might be. And the goal here not only is memory for us, but it's also getting people to remember you so that you leave an impression and you're building that leadership brand. These are amazing nuggets of advice. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just remember, um, you know, the part of, part of 
memory is wanting to remember. And sometimes it helps people, you know, who know they have a hard time memorizing things is, you know, what is your motivation for wanting to remember this? What is your motivation for being here right now? What is your motivation for listening to this podcast? Um, You know, and if you know what that is, that um, actually tricks your prefrontal cortex into saying, okay, no matter what, I'm going to remember this, at least for the short term, you know, Um, you know, but it's up to you to, you know, practice the memory retrieval portion, but I'm going to, I'll give you this one because you've made such a point of saying to yourself inwardly, I need to remember this. This is important to me because it will help me reach this goal. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and that's with anything in life, right? You have to want it. You know, nothing is going to come automatically, you know, whether it's your health, your fitness, your career, your leadership impact, uh, whatever it might be, you got to want it. That's why I went to the class. You know, I knew that there was going to be some level of impact. If I could learn memorization, I could learn people's names, so on and so forth. One, I saw how it made me feel. Then I was, I wanted to be intentional. I wanted to be intentional so that I could learn this skill. Uh, And it is a skill but I had to go see what that was. Then I started applying it. You know, I, and I will tell you the earlier, you talked earlier about thinking like a child. I remember there was a, there was somebody, I uh, call him a great uncle in my life that would always have jokes, always be telling jokes. And I would hear these jokes. And I remember thinking to myself, like, how does he remember all these jokes? And he would tell these great jokes. And then I would get around my buddies and I would be like, I got this great joke to tell you. And I would butcher the punchline. So I remember one time (laughs) asking this guy, like, how do you remember all these jokes? And he said, here's the secret in remembering jokes. He said, as soon as you hear the joke, go tell the joke. Go tell the joke as soon as you hear it. Like pick the phone up, call somebody and say, I got a joke to tell you because it's, it's in there. And that, then there's that, that muscle memory, if you will, I'm going to get it out right now. Um, yeah, he said, that's the, and this guy knew thousands of jokes. And so that's one example, but you know, these, uh, these, the, the payoff here audience is it's really endless confidence. Your confidence goes way up when you remember your Absolutely. mental health, uh, your, your connections as a leader with other people, uh, the respect level that you get. Like I told the story about them remembering my name, my wife's name. It also makes you more efficient. There's less time studying or cramming, uh, if you will, for the test. You're more intelligent than your peer group. Uh, this has impact on others. It has impact on you. It has impact on future opportunities. So go seek this out. Um, it's most likely safe to say that we scratched the surface today. Go seek oh, out yeah. this memory, right? And yeah, um, we scratched the so surface. Important. I could talk about this probably for another three hours. Yeah, there is no doubt. <laughs> I feel like you... I barely shared, you know, like some of the the, the more fun stuff. But you know, I I think it, it's important. You know, I don't know. Maybe we schedule a part two. But I think it, it's important to to set up the fact that, um, you know it's nice to do the tricks, but you have to take care of yourself, um, or, you know, it's a matter, you know, and, um, you know, you were just, you know, talking about, um, you know, all these, all these things, you know, what, you you know, what's so interesting is just how important sleep is. And yet that's one of the first things that leaders tend to deprioritize. Um, But if you, if you want to remember something, you, you got to sleep. And 
you know, there was a quick step, just real quick, there was another study done that showed the difference between um, what happens, the people had the same amount of study time during the day, but group A continued to study all night long and group B got a good night's sleep. And because the group B got a good night's sleep, they were actually able to go through the memory consolidation process and actually scored better, not just a little bit better, but it, it was upwards of 50% better than the group that crammed all night long. Listen to that college students, listen to that leaders cramming for the big meeting. So tomorrow. sleep. <laughs> get, get to sleep. It's pay now or pay later, right? Exactly. And that's good advice for me to hear as well. Cause I am that guy sometimes that I'll push it to the last minute and then I'll just abuse myself to try to get something done. And clearly here's more science behind the fact that that doesn't work. Stress is another big one for me as well. I find that in moments of great stress or deadlines or whatever it might be, I do become very task oriented, but not really effective in the long term. So listen, we have to take inventory of this stuff. You know, we know take inventory of your current state. We talked about Jen and I, Jen laid out the barriers uh, that could be holding you back from getting a better memory to have bigger impact. Uh, we gave you some tips. We gave you some resources to go check these out. Do this now. Um, the investment is well worth it. And then we obviously, we talked about the payoff you know, the payoff is really endless as far as what this could mean. And we see this in, in a host of successful people. So uh, listen, I'm sure this piqued the interest of a lot of people, Jen. Uh, how can they learn more about what you're doing, your work? You have an amazing podcast yourself uh, that I am a follower of. I listen to all the time. I have taken more vitamin C in the last two weeks than I have <laughs> the last two years, I think, because of your podcast. So <laughs> how can people find you awesome. and learn more about what you do? Oh, yeah. Thank you so much, Jeff, for the opportunity um, to share with your audience. Um, I'm on Instagram. Um, my handle is autobiology with Jennifer. Um, my website is called autobiology.net, and that's A-U-T-O-B-I-O-L-O-G-Y. And um, autobiology means um, basically studying yourself as a living organism. So you become more knowledgeable about yourself, you become healthier, and you can potentially live a little healthier, longer life. But, uh, but I try to be funny. I keep it light. Um, my goal is just to give people interesting and fun stories about biology that do um, can make an impact. Um, but uh, I do have my kids on some episodes that are more um, fun to talk about. Um, the kids find more fun to talk about. So um, yeah. it, is, it is, there are family friendly episodes for sure. It is amazing. I've learned a lot from it. No question about it. And listen, leaders, healthy leaders are effective leaders. And, uh, you know, Jen brings a tremendous amount of information. You know, we cannot be a, a one trick pony in this game of leadership. We have to bring our whole selves to the workplace, to uh, the marketplace, you know, our health, our memory, um, how we execute. All of these things are important. So Jen, I'll be sure to uh, put your links to the podcast, to your socials in the show notes. Uh, really appreciate you being on. We will have a part two. Uh, I want to learn more how we can take care of our body to make bigger impact as leaders and listener. Make sure that you go check out the show notes. We will have links to uh, how you can contact Jen, 
get tapped into her show. She has nuggets consistently on social media. Uh, you can get those by going to the championforum.com forward slash show notes. If you're getting uh, value out of the show, it would mean the world to us. If you would go rate and review, this really helps us get the uh, content out to more people. Appreciate you joining us today. And if you get nothing else, you can never forget this. You all have been set up to be champions in this life. The Champion Forum Podcast with Jeff Hancher. Lead, inspire, win. 